Hello, and welcome back to the Glossy Week in Review podcast. I am your host, senior fashion reporter Danny Parisi, and I'm here with Glossy's editor-in-chief, Jill Manoff. Hello, Jill. How's it going? Hey, Danny. Good. How are you? I'm good. Um, This episode is coming out on my birthday, so everyone who's listening, wherever you are, whether you're you're on the bus, you're in your car, you have to wish me happy birthday. Um, this week we are talking about <laughs> we're talking about some of the brands who are pulling out of China, including a few brands from Inditex and a couple others, um, for a variety of reasons. But an interesting one is just that there is more Chinese competition, like Chinese brands, um, which we'll talk about. Um, we're also talking about Klarna, the the buy now pay later company, um, cutting its valuation all the way down from forty five billion dollars last year to like six billion dollars this year, which is a pretty steep drop. And then finally, we will talk about fashion's love for the Hamptons around this time of year and all the Hamptons stuff. I have never even set foot in the Hamptons, but I will attempt to <laughs> give some thoughts about it. Um, I'm getting all these invites from um, PR companies wanting me to go to the Hamptons and get some plastic surgery. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Come get cosmetic procedures. Is it well, for something or are they just making the suggestion? <laughs> There's a little rude of them. Some brands like come get it. We'll we'll bust you down there, get some procedures, bust you back. I'm like, ooh, wow. it, it is somewhat tempting. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> that is a very interesting PR strategy. Um, well, we'll let's talk more about that when we get to the Hampton stuff. But let's start with China. So um, this week, Inditex, which is the parent company of like Zara and um, a couple other companies, they pulled the they shut down the e-commerce business of of three of its brands, Bershka. Poland Bear and Stradivarius in China. I think they had previously closed all the physical stores for those companies, um, for those brands in China. Um, I feel like there's been a, a couple of companies recently who have sort of withdrawn from the Chinese market. There was a Japanese department store called Isitan, which shut down its all of its Chinese stores earlier this year. Um, I, I, I think there's a variety of reasons of, of why brands would do that. But the one that I think is very interesting is that there's just more um, like homegrown brands to compete with. I think in previous years, it's kind of been, you know, the Chinese consumers, especially the very fashion conscious, like luxury kind of people wanted all these like European American companies, they wanted access to these brands. And, and those brands did really well by, you know, getting in on the Chinese market. But now there's a lot of like local Chinese brands. Um, Women's Wear actually pointed out specifically a Chinese brand called Peace Bird, um, sort of stealing some of the market share that those Inditex brands were previously kind of serving. So it just feels like that that market is not so much the slam dunk, easy win for a European or American brand as it was a couple of years ago. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I think you're right on the money. And even Alibaba, um, they're, they started a manufacturing platform called Rhino Factory. So um, it's really shortened the design process or design to delivery process. Seven days is, is the the span. So um, definitely some of these smaller merchants are able to churn out things at a rapid clip. Um, and we all know that um, the Chinese consumer, the freshness is everything from product to marketing. Um, the faster, the better supply chain right now. Everybody's dealing with these issues. Of course, the local brands are going to have the advantage on, on that front as well. Yeah. And, and I also think there's um, there are Chinese sort of institutions that uh, are promoting their their own sort of homegrown brands. So um, 
the the Japanese department store I mentioned, Isatan, like there's a, a Chinese department store called SND that I think was also sort of direct competition against them. And SND is like whole thing is sort of promoting the local Chinese kind of streetwear brands, like luxury brands, um, I guess you'd call them contemporary brands, um, all the kinds that sort of and then at New York Fashion Week, um, I'm not sure if they've done this the last season, but I remember a couple of seasons ago, there was a big, uh, I think it was a T-Mall presence where they brought a bunch of like sort of ready to wear runway kind of Chinese brands over and had them show in New York for the first time. So it feels like there is sort of um, those brands are getting institutional support too from like retailers and organizations in China to kind of, you know, get them popular within China and outside of China. So it's just, uh, it's it's becoming a more competitive market. Absolutely. And it seems like it's kind of the same move, but, or the same, I guess, a su- succession of things that are happening. So what, first they close all their stores, um, the U.S. brands in China, and then the next step is um, pulling out of Tmall, and if it, they're just like pulling out altogether. So I, of course, the competition, um, but also, I mean, compiling things in the last couple of years, which like the different, the the harsh, stringent data, data protection rules, there, I mean, conflict between China and the Western world right now, um, there are various factors, it, and we're seeing this, like you said, more and more brands and on top of Inditex in the last couple of years, Urban Outfitters, Topshop, um, Nike through pulled out their what was the deal their um Nike Run Club it's mm. no longer offered in China that was recent as well so anyway oh wow i i love the Nike Run Club i i use that app all the time yeah um, they had a large user base uh, in China it was millions so wow you know, side note, an interesting thing that that the Nike that Nike Run Club does is you can like log your sneakers that you use, and so you can keep track of how many miles you've used them. And if it has like almost any type of running shoe you can think of in there, but if you pick a Nike sneaker, it like shows you an image of it and has a cool little graphic and stuff. Whereas if you're wearing New Balance, you just get a generic like gray silhouette of a shoe. It's a little thing, but I'm like, well, now I have to use Nike because I hate seeing the ugly gray silhouette. Um, I want that. I'm always wondering how long have I been wearing these shoes? My feet hurt. <laughs> it's good. You know, you're not supposed to wear them more than like three or 500 miles or something. I don't know. I shouldn't give running advice on this podcast. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Klarna next. Um, Jill, you actually wrote about them recently or mentioned them in a story you had written recently uh, about layoffs. But um, as I mentioned at the top of the episode this week, they there was a report from Bloomberg that said their their valuation is being reevaluated um, and might end up a lot lower than sort of what it was at. Uh, I think last year they were like Europe's most valuable startup, $45 billion, $45.6 billion. And now it's going to be as probably as low as six or possibly around $10 billion, which is a lot of $10 billion companies, a big company. But compared to what it was a year ago, it just feels like it's really had a a steep decline. Um, There's some other numbers here. I'll just read them real quick, but then I want to hear your take, Joe. So uh, as of, you know, the most recent figures, Klarna has 147 million users. They got 400,000 retailers, um, offering Klarna as a payment option, including big ones like Nike. Um, so I guess my my question is, what is going on here? Like, why 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 are they, why, why is this happening? What do you think? I mean, and yikes, what a drop in a year. 
It's mm -hmm. a little bananas. Um, but yes, I mean, mounting reasons, I would say, the inflation, the higher interest rates, the, the looming recession that you... Again, we have an amazing um, package online editorial series. Check it out. <laughs> it's not it's not the most positive series, but there's a looming <laughs> recession in case you missed it. But really, yeah. you know, they have these this set cadence: buy now, pay later. Um, mm -hmm. Their own costs. They're they're mm -hmm. borrowing money, so they're mm -hmm. losing money because their costs to their lenders are going up. And I don't. I guess yeah. they have a set. Yeah, it, it's just not working out anymore. Um, and yeah. everybody's going into debt. And taking advantage of this. That's a little bit extreme to say because um, I think a firm, their competitor, reported a very low number about people who missed payments. It was like in the single digits. I think it was three or four. Um, but I also saw this uh, survey. It was Credit Karma. But anyway, it was from last year. But that said that 30% of Gen Z customers have missed two payments on one of these plans. Mm, I see. I, I saw that um, Klarna, like in the last quarter, the first quarter of the year, I mean, the last like $245 million um, compared to, I think, I guess compared to last year. And I'm just like, I, I feel like the Afterpay, Klarna, Affirm, like all these buy now, pay later companies had such a meteoric rise over the last couple of years. And, and like you see them, especially in fashion, like Afterpay like sponsors New York Fashion Week and, and they're like, you know, you see them all over the place in fashion. Um, and now it just feels like that's sort of uh, falling out from under them a little bit. I would think, though, that the recession would mean that more people would be interested in in buy now, pay later, like because they just have less money or things are more expensive. So that, you know, that option would be more appealing. But I don't know. I guess, it, like you said, the, the pressure is also happening on the other side for Klarna with, you know, how much capital they have or something. Exactly. And people are finding themselves in debt, um, even paying back the Klarna's of the world, which it's really like, I don't know, a domino effect. Um, and I think that probably even on the retailer or brand partner side, it's going to kind of, I, I have a hunch a lot of them will maybe stop offering this if if they, if we find that more, a high, high percentage of people are not um, making their payments, they're falling into debt um, it, with one of these programs, then literally like they're going to say, maybe they're going to feel like they were misled by the retailer that was offering it, like click here to take advantage of a firm. Like anyway, yeah. a bad kind of uh, connection. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like a bad, like a bad taste in the mouth that like, oh, I, they, they like advertise this big glossy looking, I shouldn't say glossy, wear glossy. You know what I mean? Like this big attractive, <laughs> like click here to uh, go into debt. But yeah, I guess it's like if you already are in debt in other parts of your life, you're not necessarily like, well, let me just go into debt again over these this pair of sneakers or something. Um, totally. Yeah, I've but never, I... Do you, have you used a Klarna or a, an Affirm? No, I've never used any sort of like layaway, anything like that. I kind of just, I often talk myself out of buying expensive things for various reasons. And um, like, I'm just very <laughs> wary of like, going like taking on any sort of like extra payments or whatever i didn't even i like didn't even like to buy a new phone and have to like pay for it in payments anyway um let's I'm move on let's move on and talk about the hamptons um so as i said jill i have never even been to the hamptons i am not a kind of person who wants to or can afford to like spend the summer in the hamptons but i think a lot of fashion 
customers are, and a lot of the big fashion brands are interested in it. This week, there was a lot of new stuff um, announced by various brands and retailers. Uh, and like at the beginning of the summer, they, this always kind of happens. But, um, you know, Chanel is opening a new boutique in the Hamptons. Um, Saks Fifth Avenue is hosting a bunch of like dinners and events with like Joseph Altuzara in the uh, in the Hamptons. Um, this is just the time of year when when, you know, the, the wealthy New York City residents kind of retreat out there and the brands kind of follow. Um, speaking on keeping on the recession topic, um, do you do you think that that's going to like impact the way, you know, these brands go after Hamptons dwellers or, or is that like, will they go after it even more because the people who are in the Hamptons are the ones who are not affected by a recession or not as much? That's a good point. It's almost like luxury is an exception to the rule. Um, like we we saw fine jewelry selling, um, which is what ooh, Chanel, they're selling their um, fine jewelry. They're selling watches um, mm-hmm. in the Hamptons. So on top of handbags, which we know, you know, inflation, like those prices are going up, up, up. The customer's taking mm-hmm. advantage of it. It's very much meeting the customer where they are. Like you said, I was trying to look up the average annual house household income in the Hamptons. There are various, various numbers there, but you know, one was 222,000. Um, yeah. but yeah, it obviously you're not slumming it in the Hamptons. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's safe to infer that it's probably pretty high. Totally. And you're in vacation mode or you're, you know, away from most people, you're away from your, your, your home. You're kind of like, I don't know, woo, go crazy. And people are in the mood to shop while they're out and about. So yeah. uh, it makes sense to me. I like the Dior uh, activation pop up in Montauk. Like that looks amazing. It's their first beauty and fashion kind of collab pop up in America, their first spa activation in the US. And again, this makes sense because it's a, it's a bright spot in the LVMH portfolio. There's they have some LVMH kind of wines and spirits flowing, so it makes sense that you know they would have support there and and want to uh, push this further while they can while they have this audience. Yeah, definitely. The one thing that I thought was interesting looking at some of the different Hamptons kind of activations that people are doing is there's a lot going on in the various transportation methods to get to the Hamptons. Um, so like. If I I might be pronouncing this wrong or like sound like I totally have no idea what I'm talking about. The Hampton like Jitney is um, the bus that, is that the goes right way to say it. It is, it I is know Jitney this from Sex in the City. Yeah. Okay, so they, the <laughs> the Jitney is like the bus that goes from New York City out to the Hamptons. So Saks Fifth Avenue for I think for part of the summer is like wrapping the bus in like you know imagery from its like spring or. I think it's spring campaign. Um, there's a designer named Lauren Moshi who's collaborating with the Hampton Jitney. And then Saks is also collaborating with Blade, which is the the helicopter service that goes out there. And so like when you go, when you get in the helicopter, there's like a gift bag from Saks and stuff. So it's like very much like all the ways that people get out there are going to be, you know, there's going to be a strong fashion presence there. And especially the helicopter, like the bus, I'm sure the bus is very nice going to the Hamptons, but the helicopter is like, I mean, that's where the real, you know, sex bread and butter customers are going to be. Not, not taking the bus like a normal person. <laughs> that is fancy. But it's interesting in terms of like kind of a service that they're providing. And, and on the same note, which it's not something <laughs> extravagant, but um, like Nordstrom Local is, is opening mm-hmm. there in Southampton where you can get your 
get your goods fast, providing more convenience yeah. to the shopper without kind of building out this experience which, to compete with all of these, obviously, luxury, big, very backed brands, the, the conglomerate mm-hmm. brands. So um, I think that's smart, too. Yeah, well, Jill, maybe I will see you out in the Hamptons this summer if either of us gets like a humongous raise. Maybe we can. <laughs> we'll we take can the jitney. We'll take the jitney. I will be taking the blade if possible. I will stow away if I need to. <laughs> All right, okay. we'll see you there. It sounds. Is fun. there is there anything else we want to talk about? Yeah. I mean, just like I mentioned, like the PR pitches, trying to lure us there and see all the oh, activations. Yes. Um, I'm getting like even before like prime time season, just getting that survey from PR companies saying, "Are you going to the Hamptons this this season?" Oh, interesting. Um, and I was like, TBD. I didn't want to be like I had FOMO in case something was good enough. I was like, I'll get there. <laughs> that is, it's so interesting that they pitched you on getting plastic surgery in. The Hamptons. Yes, I would say cosmetic procedures. That sounds well, like okay. lighter. Definitely the fillers, the, yeah. Okay, so they're not going to like fully like cut you open or anything. No, 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 no. But I was like, I don't know. I think that was offered too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I was just like, ooh, Botox is there. <laughs> it is, I don't get pitched anything like that. All, all my, my inbox is all like, do you want to buy this NFT or something? And I say no to all of them. <laughs> Nobody has pitched me on any sort of cosmetic procedure. Man, missing out. No, I have not had, I have not um, partaken of the offer. But hey, nobody's offering me NFT either. We have different inboxes. We need to trade for a day and like entertain ourselves. (laughs) That would be good. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for for discussing this all with me, Jill. It's always a good good time talking to you. Um, For those of you listening at home, if you have not given us a rating and a review wherever you're listening to this podcast, that's really helpful. Uh, And you should also make sure you subscribe to the Glossy Podcast because not only will you hear me and Jill every Friday talking about the Week in Review, you'll also hear Jill every Wednesday talking with some industry insider, somebody in fashion. Um, Jill, who's on tap? Who's, Who's your next guest? Up next is so fun. We go deep in the weeds about what investors are looking for in in terms of brands. Um, And so I talked to Nick Brown, who is the co-founder and managing partner of Imaginary Ventures. And they have invested in Glossier and Skims and Good American and uh, Reformation. The list goes on and on, kind of the who's who of these um, DTC and tech companies that are really thriving. Perfect. Well, if you subscribe to the Glossy Podcast, you can hear that. And again, you'll hear me and Jill talking every Friday. So until then, thank you all for listening.